you know, with that, I'll just jump right into it, you know. Um, um, how many of you have not seen the picture that I put up on social media? Oh, that's a few. Do I see if you can just throw that picture up? I don't even know. It was a grainy picture. But um, we'll see if they can just throw it up because, um, ah, yeah, you can see it a little bit. That's uh, Bishop and Oyudipo and I walking hand in hand. Um, in African and Middle Eastern cultures and Indian cultures, that's normal. So you will see men walking down the street holding hands. Um, you'll see them walking down the street with their arms around each other. There is zero funny business going on. That's just the culture there. Um, and so, uh, so you know, I'm, I'm just going to share with you, you know, I mean, oh, Jesus told stories. And sometimes when you tell stories, it'll just encourage you. Um, you know, there's a lot that's happened in the last week. Um, a lot of people have been a little surprised at that picture. I was very surprised at the reaction of some people near and far, thither and yon, to and fro, you know. Um, I even uh, talked to one individual, and I knew that this was the devil. I knew it. I knew it. It was the devil. So you have to be very careful in times of promotion because the enemy is seeking to uh, pervert it, throw you off. You know, like the one demon that we cast out said, he said, we haven't been able to stop y'all. And he said, the devil knows that he can't stop you, but we will try nonetheless. And so, uh, so you know, I just wanted to mention a couple of things here before I kind of tell you the story about uh, just three things when it comes to ministry. You, you, know, you know, everybody wants to, uh, it's funny, I shouldn't say everybody, but, you know, in order to be used by God, you really do have to pay a price. Everyone is going to be used by God. But to the, the, greater, the greater dimension and greater degree that you're used by God, the greater the price that you have to pay. Sometimes the bigger or more influential, um, I don't know if y'all can hear that feedback, Dino, up here. You can't? Okay, cool. Um, sometimes the greater and more influential the ministry, the, usually the greater price that you have to pay, um, usually the longer you have to wait. Um, because with large ministries and big influential ministries, one of the most important virtues after love is patience. And so in order for you to learn patience, the only way that they can teach you that lesson is for you to wait a long time. And so, uh, and so that's why there are so many, you know, Bible says that many are called, but very few are chosen. And so when people don't get chose, they sometimes make themselves shepherds or they promote themselves. And the crazy thing is God will still use that. He'll just... You know, if you try to promote yourself, you know, you'll just stay on level two for the rest of your life. And God will just use you on level two. You just won't go any further. You know, so it's a huge price to pay. You never know what the price is until after you pay it. You pay it for your entire life. Like I told them on an early morning prayer call, you know, the way the kingdom of God is designed is that God uses one man to get it all and then give it to every, and then give all to everyone. Uh, right now, we have men hardly getting anything. And what they do get, they keep it for themselves. And so, uh, you know, with Moses, he had to, I told them on the early morning prayer call, Moses had to pay the price to free two, three million people. Uh, Joshua had to pay the price for those individuals, their next generation, to walk in perpetual victory. Um, Joseph had to pay a price in order to set up a place of refuge for the children of Israel. He went through a bunch of crap, but that was the stuff that he went through so that an entire nation would have a place of prosperity during the time of famine. Of course, we know Jesus, he paid the ultimate price. And, and, you know, Jesus paid it all and then gave it all to us. He didn't give it to us partially. 
And so that's how it is. So when you see me doing these things, it is not me. It is the Lord using one man to get it and then bring it back. Connect yourself to things. My exact prayer when I started the ministry. So let me let me just share this one thing. May I don't know if you know this story. The previous church that I was a member of. The last time that I was and I was a, I was a minister there and 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 the last time that I was up in the pulpit praying, there was a man in the audience. I'm just sharing these stories to help you understand that when the Lord has a plan for you, it's, it's mysterious. There was a man in the audience and he said uh, that um, I'm sorry. We had a baptism service and I baptized this man um, with all of the other crews and ministers and I pastor was doing it you know and we were just dunking him in the water <laughs> and so uh and so he was a nigerian man and i said oh you ever heard of bishop oedipo he's like oh yeah he said i used to be one of his deacons i was like oh i said you know what i, I want to go to the shiloh conference one day this is before i knew i was supposed to open up a church i just man i want to go to that conference this seems so amazing now in his mind he was like who is this american talking about he want to go to a conference in nigeria and so the next sunday that was my last sunday praying from the pulpit that next sunday or a couple of Sundays after that, he said that I was praying in the pulpit, and he said my face turned into Bishop's face. He said right in the pulpit. And, and so I still don't know what this means, but he said, ah, okay, I understand, Lord. And so the following Sunday, he walked up to me. He didn't say anything. He just said, here, these are for you. And he dropped a big black trash bag in front of me, and it was the 40 books that Bishop Oedipo had written. And so uh, he just gave them to me and then walked off. And I still didn't quite know what that meant, you know, and then other things transpired and the Lord told me to, to follow him. You know, some of the dreams that, is, that have happened um, uh, in that regards. And so, you know, it's a price that's being paid. And uh, when you pay that price, some people don't understand. It's impossible for them to understand because the one that's paying the price doesn't understand. And so uh, the only thing you can do is just say, I have peace about being at this place and I'll just follow. You know, the other thing is, is that, you know, you have levels um, and um, and, you know, you start out on level one and 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 you go through through that level. You're either moving forward or you're moving up or both. When you get to 10, you start over again um, at a different octave. I remember T.D. Jake shared that years ago. He did it with a pair of steps. He walked across one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, And then he stepped up and said 11, but it's one again. And he walked through one all the way through. 17, 18, 19, 21 again. Then he did it again all the way through, you know, 28, 29, 31 again. And I never forgot that because he said, your life is a series of levels. He said, but most people were satisfied being a 10 on a lower level instead of a one on the next. Because when you go to the next level, it seems like you're starting over again. And so, you know, so that's another side of the equation here is that our ministry is gone to the next level but we're starting over again that's why the uh you're you're at the beginning of the next level and when you go to the next level things have to change and you may not always like those changes but the changes are not based on any personal things the changes are about the future the changes are not about you and it's not about me it's about the destinies of many that we're going to win and god's agenda the other thing is is that in the same way when you read the bible you see things in the old testament that correspond with the new you see, Joseph was sold for a certain amount of pieces of silver. That's the same amount of pieces of silver that Jesus was sold for. You see, Jonah, who was put in the belly of the whale, and Jesus said, that's a sign because I'm going to be in the belly and the heart of the earth in hell for three days. 
And so you see all of these patterns and all of these things. And when Jesus taught, he always referenced the Old Testament. He would say, do this so that this can be fulfilled. And this is tied to that. And that is tied to this. And so the thing is, is that is that we are a continuation of the Bible that did not stop. And so because how many know he could have sent Jesus, you know, after Adam and Eve died? He didn't. He waited four thousand years. When Jesus was born, you've heard me say that before, he could have been born, he could have died as a teenager, but they waited until he was 30. Moses was 40 years in the palace, then he spent 40 years in the desert. He was 40 years in prosperity, 40 years in poverty, because it was going to take him 40 years to try to get the people from poverty to prosperity. But, but how come he couldn't free, the Israel, free Israel on the first day? Why did he have to spend time in the wilderness for 40 years and not two? You understand what I'm saying? Because these things are being done based on timelines and seasons and puzzles and mysteries and dynamic and spiritual strings and its patterns. And it's all based on some formula and some puzzle that God is putting together. So in the same way, when it comes to us that are following God's plan for business, ministry, whatever else, it's the exact same thing. The things that we are doing in line with God will fit a biblical pattern that will be traced all the way back to the Garden of Eden. If we do it correctly, we'll stand before the Lord and he say, this is what it meant, and it'll shock you, it'll blow your mind. Okay, so that's the other side of that, which is we're at a new level. And then the other one is um, many of you, I don't know, in the beginning, that won't be the case so much in the future now, but in the beginning, this ministry draw, drew broken people. People who had been done wrong in ministry, people who had been despised in ministry because they wanted to operate in integrity and character and holiness and they wanted to see the power of God. So that draw, uh, draw, draw a lot of people here. And so, again, the Lord didn't let me start years ago. I thought I was ready in 1996. And he didn't let me start until, what, was it 2011, 2012? Yeah, I thought I was ready every year. And when I, then when I did start, I was like, oh, can we slow this down? No, 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 it's too late. You said you were ready. You know, I was thinking about Devon's testimony about the first time he preached, and he said, it's been 30 years since I've been at this spot. 30, because he was done completely wrong. Him and Violet were done crazy wrong. They were done so wrong, most people wouldn't recover from that type of wrong. And so, uh, but it's just mysterious how your restoration doesn't happen overnight. It happens over a period of time, because when God restores you, you got to be right so that you don't say, nah, 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 nah. And that's why the restoration will be long, because he has to free you from the very poison that was put in you by the people that did you wrong. And so, and so, and poison is poison, whether you put it in you or somebody else put it in you. And so, and so that's why you sometimes see ministry sometimes take a long, I'm talking about, you know, anybody can just, you know, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but you got all different types of ministries. But I'm talking about the ones that make an eternal impact. Um, those are few and far between because most, most men will not pass the test. They refuse to pass it. You can tell them 30 times and they're still not going to do it. And I don't know what makes men and women think that you can so frivolously run something for the Lord and not be right. It's just not going to happen. And so, uh, so you know, so, so I did not realize that when you saw that picture that that was restoration for me because I had been done majorly wrong by a man uh, in that position, this individual, I won't, of course, I've been done majorly. I've actually been done wrong by three different type of pastors and just been done in. And it was always based on this threat thing. I've been told to my face, you don't have a right to preach on our level. You don't have a right to be on Hagen's level. You don't have a right to be on this person's level. You don't have a right to be on Creflo Dollar's level. I've been told that to my face. Um, I was never, ever, ever shown from Scripture that I was wrong about anything. It was just always, 
you trying to do this, you trying to take over, all of those things. And God is my witness. I was never, uh, you know how it is. Sometimes, you know, you have a little bit of gifting and insecure men are threatened by that. And so, uh, so there are things that I kept. My wife, the, the biggest one that happened to me, my wife just got over that about three, four years ago. And that happened in the year 2000. It was the only thing my wife thought I lied about. It's one of the few things, actually it'll be many now, but it'll be one of the few things that'll go with me to the grave. Why I was done wrong. It's the only when I told my wife the reason I was fired, she said, you lying, because no person would ever fire for any, anyone like that. When she found out that was true, that broke her. She was told, my wife was totally disconnected from church, totally. She wasn't disconnected from God. She was done. When I say she was done, because she saw my heart and how I had been broken. So that picture, I did not know, because let me tell you something. When you do get your heart right, that's when God will step up and then say to your people, na 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 but you have to let him do it. Because if you do it, it's going to come with the wrong attitude. You know what I'm saying? And all type of stuff. Then it turns into a war. And so because when that happened, I wasn't thinking about that. But it was the replies of other people. There were people who were weeping when they saw that picture. Because they knew that God had said, na 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 You remember what Jesus said? He said, vengeance is mine, let me repay. Don't you? You're not qualified to repay. If you repay, everybody did. Okay. If I repay, some people might get saved after if I do it. But if you do it, you're going to tear yourself up, your family, and everybody else. Okay, so, uh, so just remember that. And when I, I heard a statement, it might have been by, uh, oh, God. Oh, Jesus, what is that man's name? He preaches for Bill Winston a lot. He's from Zimbabwe, I believe. Um, I'm not even going to move forward until I can remember that man's name. Thank you. I think it was he made a statement that I had just saw he put on social media and it's very much true. He said uh, for ministries that are called by God, he said, for the first seven years, you're not building ministry. The ministry is building you. And then you start. And so so there. So the problem is, is that people are making judgments about ministry based on what they see. But what you see is the norm, but it is not the norm when it comes to the kingdom of God. Because most people don't follow the kingdom of God because the price is too hard for them. In order to follow the kingdom of God, you got to basically just say, okay, I'm going to let Jesus drive, not have a bumper sticker to say God is my co-pilot. That's the problem. He riding and you driving. Okay. So, uh, so I'm going to just read this one scripture and then share with you some stuff that happened. Uh, Deuteronomy 34.9. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him doing just as the Lord had commanded Moses. So the picture that I'll show you, I'm just going to share with you just a few things that happened to let you know how that ended up happening. You know, you know about all of the dreams. Um, uh, my reasoning for going over there was to, y'all remember the horrific story about the conference last year, but it was only humility that allowed me to meet the guy named Jerry, who he wanted to see who this American was that would humble himself and stay in a dilapidated building that was closed. They only opened it up for people that came from the bush because they would be comfortable with that. So y'all remember that on New Year's Eve, I showed you that. So that's how I met him. I did not know that he was one of the drivers. Now let me say this. You know how we have an Uber platform in all of Georgia? This church is so big that they have their own driving platform. So these are men that they just drive people around on. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, when you go over there, you're just like, Lord, am I even saved? Am I even going to make it in? 
So he's one of the drivers on this land. So as soon as you enter into the big, you know, the only way to explain it is like the border of Mexico or Canada. You're driving in Ota, which is like, you know, a ghetto of Nigeria. And all of a sudden you see this big sign like you're going into another country that says Canaan land. And then you enter into another world that's in a world with a whole military and everything. I mean, they, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it's a checkpoint with bombs and, I mean, you know, things underneath the car and they give you these chips to verify that, yeah, you got a chip coming into our city. And so you have the, you have the area where the power plant is and the banks and, and the car washes and all of that stuff and the bottle processing center and the bookstores and all of that. Then you have a whole nother area, which is the church grounds. Then you have a whole nother area, which is the actual campus for their universities and their school. This is not a parking lot in a school. This area is much bigger than uh, 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 Georgia downtown, but it's Georgia State. Yeah, you know how the whole area, oh no, it's killing that. And then you have, then you have Canaan City, which is the actual <laughs> city that they're building with houses and apartments and grocery stores and, and all of that, so whatever. So, uh, so what was I saying? So, I, did, I thought about this morning, I was like, that really was crazy for me to go to one of the most craziest places in the planet by myself <laughs> with a driver, but when the Holy Ghost is driving you, uh, you don't base things on sense. I felt the Holy Ghost pulling me over there for this trip. The December one is more of an excitement. I don't know what that's about. But um, so I went, I actually went there to secure our hotel arrangements for December, uh, transportation, and open up a bank account and see about buying, leasing a house in Canaan City for future, because we'll be going over there probably two or three times a year minimum. Uh, my goal was also to see if I could meet with Bishop, his son, or the assistant pastor, the right-hand man. I never can pronounce his name correctly. His name is Aboyi, I think. Aboyi, something like that. He's the, he's the one that would take over if something happened to Bishop Oyedipo, but, uh, but he also has his own huge, crazy church in another area. So, but I knew he would be there. So I said, it's one of those three. That would be the last thing on my list. And so, so uh, hooked up with Jerry, got there and everything, got all situated. And, uh, you know, we got there in two hours instead of eight the last time. He said, that's because the other guys didn't know what they were doing. I said, yeah, I'm realizing that. So Jerry, he knows all of the shortcuts, everything. And uh, so we got all set up on Monday, got all situated. And, uh, and then the next morning, so we... Never mind. I, I, won't, I won't talk about all of the drama that it took to get the hotels, to get the rental bus, <laughs> the bank account, which was a two-day crazy fiasco. And, and, and everywhere we go, Jerry doesn't own nothing. This is how the Nigerian people are over there. Everywhere we go, Jerry's like, okay, um, we want to get these four hotels. How much is that? Okay, that'll be 25000 naira. No, no, it's not. It's not 25000 naira. Yes, it is, sir. No, 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 sir. We can't lower the price. And then he go through the same thing. I will fire you. I will have you uh, deported. I will have you transferred. I'm just like. <laughs> so after about the sixth time, I said, hey, man, stop doing that. You don't own these businesses. I and mean, we go someplace on the street. How much is this, you know, this, this leather bracelet? You know, it's, you know, throwing a number out there. It's 200 naira. No, 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 no. Sir, it's 200 naira. I will fire you. I will have you transferred. <laughs> I would have, I'm just like, would you stop and, and listen, 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 this is what we are going to do. So you have to get used to that. 
you know, it's just the culture. It's not the people. It's the people that have adjusted to everybody just argues. It's just, dude, I don't, I don't want to argue about this Domino's pizza. You know, this is the price. So, never mind. I'm sorry. That's very frustrating over there. And so, but he learned some lessons after I got through. And so, but, so we went to early morning prayer, um, which is from 530 to 630 every morning. And so Jerry told me, he said, the best thing for us to do to try to get a Oedipo's attention, he said, what we'll do is we will go to early morning prayer, which they do six, seven days a week. And he said, after early morning prayer, that's the best time to catch him. You have one or two choices. You can just show up at his offices and demand that you see him with the secretary. He said, I don't suggest that. He said, let's go to early morning prayer, try to approach him. So we go to early morning prayer. And of course, he is not there. Um, he usually is. So we go to early morning prayer on Tuesday, and so his son is there, Pastor David. Some of you have heard him preach. And I said, so I walked up to him, and I said, hey, Pastor David, uh, I don't know if you remember me from the Shiloh conference. He said, oh, yeah, I remember you. And I told him I, while I was there, and I said I was hoping to be able to meet with you, um, talk about some stuff in regards to my future plans, et cetera. And so uh, he said, well, come to early morning prayer tomorrow, and we'll talk about it then. So that would have been a Wednesday. So back to Tuesday. So we just going to chill out for the day and everything. So I throw on my flip-flops, my army shorts, and a T-shirt. And we go to one of the lunchrooms at the college campus. So we're sitting there, and I'm talking to Jerry. And then all of a sudden, remember I told you I wanted to see one of those individuals? All three of them walked in the lunchroom. All three of them. Bishop, his son, his right-hand man, and about nine other of his closest staff. They all walked in. Now, they came in first, so I'm watching this. I'm like, mm. Number one, number two, number three. Yep, I like him. I all remember him. And Oedipo walked in last. When he walked in, the whole dimension of the restaurant changed. Now, Jerry said he didn't feel anything. He said, that must have been for your benefit. I don't know what it was. All I know is when that man walked in the room, it was like a million angels walked in with him. And so now, uh, now Jerry said, he said, mysteriously, I never put my back towards the door. I said, well, neither do I. So maybe it just happened that way. So I'm sitting there like, I said, uh. He said, what? I said, oh, you the Pope just walked in with his whole crew. He said, you lying. <laughs> I said, no. I said, I'm telling you. So, and so they walked over, and Bishop is about, if I get up and walk three steps, I'm in his face. That's how close he is. So all of the men are standing around. He told them, go, go. He said, y'all, go and get something to eat. You ain't got to wait on me. So they all leave the counter. So Jerry says, this is your chance to go. I said, nope, I'm sitting up here in flip-flops and army shorts, and they got on tailor-made suits. I'm staying right here. He said, go. I said, nah, I don't know if that's a good idea. He said, go, this is your chance. And when he said that, I just jumped up, walked right up to him, and he was doing something with his phone. And when I said bishop, he turned. Now, the reason he turned the way he did is because no one calls him bishop. They call him papa. So he knew that if someone called him bishop, he knew he was dealing with a foreigner. So he immediately turned, and I said, hey, I was here for the Shiloh conference. I let him know. I basically started spilling my guts. I was like, look, man, the Lord gave me five dreams. I'm from America. You know? <laughs> I was gone. I was like, hey. I didn't care then. I was like, hey, I look like a bum. You know, but, but hey, the Lord gave me five dreams, told me to follow you. And I said, um, I was at the Shiloh conference. I said, I'll be at this Shiloh conference. I'm here to try to set up this and set up that. And so as I was telling him where I was from, I mean, he started expressing like this. It was weird. It was, I'm not saying it's the case, but he started expressing his joy as though the Lord told him someone was coming. That was his reaction. Like, ah, okay, you're the one. I mean, it was the reaction. 
And so, uh, and so he said, uh, you're here by yourself? I said, yeah. And he said, how are you getting around? I said, well, Jerry is over there. As soon as I said, Jerry, he said, oh, Jerry. So Jerry comes over, and y'all remember that scene in Coming to America when Eddie Murphy <laughs> went to the bathroom? Jerry over there, he ran over Jerry on his knees. Uh, uh, Papa, Papa, uh, Papa. So now I'm thinking, well, maybe I should be doing this too. Because I don't know the protocol here, you know. But they know that Americans are pretty much stupid, so, you know, they, they just let you slide with everything. And so he said, oh, he says, so you're the one that is driving around this runaway American. That's what they call men who, it's not been too many, but ones who leave America to join them in the spirit. That's what they call us as runaway Americans. And so, uh, so, uh, so I don't, you know, of course you doing that, you don't remember much what was said. So he said, how long will you be here? I said, well, I got here Monday. I'll be leaving Saturday night. He said, okay. He said, I was hoping that while I was here, I would be able to uh, sit down with you and, and talk for a moment. And this is exactly how he did it. We'll see. Walked away just like that. How many know there ain't the time to be chasing? Well, you know, what does what we'll see me? That means sit down. And so, uh, you know, and so, uh, um, so afterwards, you know, Jerry is just like, he's freaking out because he's like, look, man, this does not happen. He said, I'm telling you, I've been here all this time. It does not happen. So, you know, uh, he was trying to overly push trying to make something happen. So I had to tell him, I said, look, I said, first of all, I said, I'm not, I said, as, as nice as it is to meet him, I said, I'm not here to meet a man. I'm here to meet the God that made that man. And I said, if the Lord wants me to meet that man, I said, it'll happen without me having to try a whole lot. So, uh, so, you know, that was cool. After early morning prayer, the next day, um, I then talked to his son. He said, meet me at my office at 11. So we met, we talked. And it was weird because you better, you better hear from God when you go over there and give them a word. So I'm sitting in his son's office and we're talking and so I'm telling him the whole story about the dream and all the type of stuff and all of that. And, and, I, and, and the Lord is speaking to me before I met with him in the lobby. And I said, let me tell you what I believe is going on here. Um, and I said, this was really crazy for me to do this. So let me tell you what's going on here. I said, y'all not called to touch Nigeria. I said, the mission statement and the vision that the Lord gave your father was that he was going to redeem the world. I said, when you look at the United States and you look at all of the satellite churches that you all have in the United States, it's only Nigerian people. I said, because people in the United States are not about to follow no Nigerians. I'm telling the man this. He's looking at me like, yeah, y'all Americans, this is definitely a reason why they call y'all cowboys, because y'all are crazy. It's one thing about they say, y'all, they, they call us sharp and they say we're bold and we're outspoken. That's just our culture, you know. If you don't bring me my food, I'm going to go to the edge. Hey. So, uh, so I said, so let me tell you what I believe is happening. I said, in order for you to get to the rest, God is going to engraft Americans into your church. And, and then we will take up on your ways, and that's how you will get to the rest of the Americans, because they'll listen to me, but they won't listen to the Nigerian, because they see y'all as third world. He was like, mm, mm, mm. So I talked with him and everything, and, and, don't, and, and don't get me wrong, these men are very, very serious in the pulpit. But outside the pulpit, they're very, very lighthearted and very, very silly. I mean, 
I had to get up out of there before I went too far because next thing you know, we both laughing. <laughs> you know, we doing all that type of stuff. I said, let me not get carried away here. You know, because he's very, very comical. He loves to crack jokes. So we talked about everything. He gave me some suggestions, some by the word of the Lord, some by prophecy. He gave me, uh, he asked me a lot about the way the ministry was set up, told me to make some adjustments with that. So I was cool. So, so in the meanwhile, so that was Wednesday morning. So Wednesday night. Now, in the meantime, there is this girl there from Dubai. Now, we're staying in one of the hotels on the land, which is a 200-room hotel called the Guest House with its own restaurant. So we're staying there, and there's a girl from Dubai, and she knew Jerry also. Jerry said, do you mind if she tags along with us to early morning prayer? I said, no problem. So she said, the Lord told me to come here and meet him here. That's all he said. She said, I don't know what's going to happen. So Jerry said, oh, that means then you're supposed to speak to her. You're the Pope too. She was like, okay, let's make it happen. So he wasn't there. He wasn't there. So on Wednesday night, oh, you the Pope preached. And it just was not going to work out for her to meet him. And so when that happened, um, we were going back to the hotel. Jerry is driving us. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, he said, I need you to tell her what Oyedipo would have told her. And so, you know, I'm trying to, you know, now finagle my way into trying to figure out how to make this happen. You know, this is a single young lady from Dubai, etc. I don't want nothing to be looking funny business and stuff like that. So long story short, we all three of us ended up going out to eat. So I started talking. And, um, um, and next thing you know, you know me, I'm in ministry mode. Jerry's like, I got to go. So it's her and I in the restaurant. I'm just preaching, preaching to her, and I'm jumping from subject to subject by the spirit, subject to subject, subject to subject. And she's taking notes, taking notes, taking notes. And at the end, she said, now I know why the Holy Spirit told me that I was not here to see Bishop Oedipo, but I was here to see you. She knew that before I sat down with her. But she didn't want to say anything. And she said, like the queen of Sheba with Solomon, she said, you have answered every question that I have ever had. And she's a businesswoman from Dubai. So those were the little things that were happening in that, you know, the Lord sent this girl to Dubai to meet me there so I could answer every question that she ever had. But Jerry thought she was there for Edebo. Yeah, so that was crazy in of itself. So, um... So, yeah, so let's move over to Saturday. So we had an early morning prayer, early morning prayer, Bishop Oedipo, none of them. Saturday morning when I'm getting ready to leave, he's at early morning prayer. And so, you know, this is the one time I did not wear a suit. I'm like, I'm not going to see the man. I'm not wearing a suit. I'm going to just wear a T-shirt and some nice pants, my black jeans and some shoes. So I'm sitting there and everything. And, and so we do the whole prayer. And it's very regimented. There's some things we're going to do by regiment more and more. Got to make a few changes. It's early morning prayer. And if you've ever seen it, y'all, it is timed. The first guy gets up, he reads one prayer point. You know, and Father, in the name of Jesus, we exact vengeance upon every enemy that will prevent souls from coming into this church. Let's stand up on our feet and pray now. Everybody start praying in tongues. And he does that. He is praying, 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 praying. And he does that for nine minutes to the T. And then he says, in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. You may be seated. He sits down. Another guy gets up. Please rise. I'm like, hey, man, I feel like I'm in Catholic church because you do that about nine times. 
Soon as you sit down, the next guy get up, please rise. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit will bring new souls into the church. Rise up on your feet and pray now. Boom. So everybody just praying, praying, praying. Nine minutes to the T. Father, we thank you. Thanks. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. You may be seated. Next guy get up. Father, in Jesus' name, boom, 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 let's all rise. So it's just up and down. Maybe they do that to make sure you don't fall asleep. So they do that for the whole hour, but for the last 10 minutes, one of the pastors gets up and speaks. If Oyedipo is there, he speaks. So he gets up and speaks. And as he's speaking, um, everyone takes notes there. They're trained to take notes, 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 notes. That's a particular style. For me personally, I don't like that style because my style is I want to pay attention and only write down what's impactful at that moment. Then I will go back and listen to the whole thing. That's me. It's different styles, different strokes for different folks. So I looked around. And I noticed that everyone's head is down. And the reason I looked around is because the man is preaching, but he's preaching at me. He's just staring at me, preaching. And every once in a while, he looks to the side, then he comes back to me, preaching. And so I'm looking, is anybody else in the audience? <laughs> and as he's preaching, the more he preaches, I realize that the man is preaching at me. Now, after it was over, Jerry asked me a question. He said, did you know that man? He said, I know this man. He said, that man was preaching for you. He said he just let everyone else listen. And I said, yeah, I picked that up. Because the, the nature of what he was saying, it was like he was giving me instructions. I mean, I operate at a different dimension, you know, which, of course, we're going there and operate there to a certain degree. But um, so he did it. Uh, he preached his sermon. You know, it's usually about 10 minutes. He went for 20. And then what they do is, is that when, the, when he's done, he then hands his sons or one of the other pastors a microphone and they say, OK, now let's lift our hand and give God thanks for all the many wonderful works and, and preachings and prayers. And while they're doing that, that gives him time to exit the sanctuary so all of these people don't run up to him. And so in, in my fashion, my thing is, Lord, if, if something needs to happen, it will happen. At that point, I had made the decision nothing is going to happen. So, you know, naturally, a man like that, he's leaving out the sanctuary. People are lifting their hands, but they're looking at him to see which way he's going. So he leaves. As he leaves, I made a decision in my heart. I'm not going to look at the man. Lord, I came here. I got what I need. I'm coming back to Shiloh. Boom, I have my hands lifted. I have my eyes closed. And next thing you know, it's like five people slapping me at the same time. And so I'm just coming out of this and like, you, go, go, go. You know me. I'm looking at, what are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? And so I'll look around. And so, oh, you the Pope. Come, son. Come. So now he does this in front of the entire arena. So now everyone's concentration is broken. And so Jerry says, should I come? I said, absolutely, because I don't know what's getting ready to happen. <laughs> and so him and, him and the other young lady, uh, she came with him. So we go out, and it's a, like it's a big fiasco, because Jerry's like, dude, I'm telling you, this is not happening. This man don't call people out of service. And so kind of was confusing because the men didn't know what to do because this is not normal, what they call protocol over there. So I come out and I'm walking alongside him. When we get out the door, it's a sea of people already. When we get out the door, it's already a couple with a newborn. Bishop, they said the baby is going to die next week. They're on their knees. And I mean, it's, it's really crazy. It's really, really, I mean, when you study the scripture carefully, Bible makes it clear that there were about 20, 30,000 people around Jesus at all times. You remember the woman that touched him? And he said, who touched me? And they said, everybody is touching you. I mean, that shows you what he was under all the time. 
there were times where that's why when he said he would heal somebody, he would say, don't tell anybody. He's like, I already got 30,000 people around me. Now you're about to bring a whole nother city. That's why there are about two or three cases in scripture. It says a large multitude came upon him to be healed. And it says he couldn't heal anyone. It said that he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. And so it was it was it was it was kind of like that. And so he's trying to pull me along, but he's stopping. So finally, the entire pastoral came, staff came out along with the security. And so that picture, throw that, that picture again for me. That picture that you see of us walking is you see me, see that one gentleman that what you can't see is the sea of people that are behind us that are being held back so him and I can walk and talk. So he takes me by the hand, and so now we're just having a real intimate conversation. I mean, he's telling me stuff that I can't share with you. Um, he is asking me questions. First, I remember the first question. He said, so where are you located? I said, in Atlanta. I said, I have two co-locations in Atlanta, Georgia. And um, after that, I don't remember a lot of the conversation. My wife told me that I would have to pray in the spirit to recall some things that, that were shared. Uh, particularly, I mean, because you, let me tell you something. Have you ever, any of you ever heard about when people have encounters with Jesus Christ or they get caught up to heaven and have a vision and they will tell you that at that moment, that long list of questions that they had, it collapses. You, you don't have anything to say. And so I, I was ready. Oh man, I'd had questions for about five years. I didn't, I didn't ran this, I didn't rehearse this in front of the mirror and everything to make sure that it comes out, you know, uh, eloquently and not ebonically. I mean, I hadn't done all of this type of stuff. When that man took me by the hand, I'm telling you, it's like being in an electrical force field. And I, I've never really been in a situation where I'm close enough to a man or take a man by the hand and your entire body just shuts down. You couldn't ask the question if you wanted to. You can only answer the questions that he asked you. So we're just walking along, just walking along, and he's telling me certain things. I mean, instantly in the spirit, just instantly. Oh, by the way, can I backtrack for a second? Remember the lunchroom encounter? So after he walked away, we'll see. I just went and sat down. I didn't keep looking over. I said, mind my own business, Jerry, Jerry, like we need to leave. I said, why? He said, well, in African culture, when the elders come in, you know, the people leave. I said, no, I think that's you acting crazy. We're going to sit right here. And so when we did leave, I just got up. And Jerry said, wave at the man. He's waving at you. And so I uh, looked, and he was waving. And so I waved back. We went out the restaurant over to the left. There's a little store. And when I got a bunch of bottled water, when we got the bottled water, um, when I was coming back across the restaurant, we literally, bam, ran into each other, Bishop and I again. And so because we ran into each other, he took me by the hand and started joking with me. You know, how much water do you need? I mean, he was joking. And so and Jerry is freaking out. He said, man, I'm telling you. He said, I'm telling you, he said, the Lord is orchestrating this. He said, and let me tell you what the man is going to do. He said, that man is going to go back to his office or get in the car, and he's going to say, Lord, who is this man? You could feel it. You could feel the angels and the Holy Ghost orchestrating things in such a way where I kept running into him. That what, I mean, it was, it's, it's, I, can't even, I can't even explain it. You just knew it. He knew it. I knew it. But we were both trying to pretend like we didn't know it. So we're walking hand in hand, hand in hand, and we're walking for quite a ways, quite a bit. And then um, the last thing I remember saying is, I guess so I'll be here for the Shiloh conference. I said, I'll be bringing some of my team members, so I'll be setting up some stuff. And he said, good. He said, I'll see you for the Shiloh conference. He said, keep in touch. 
And um, he said, I'll see you soon. And he said, now take me by the hand, took me by the hand. And that's just how he did it. <laughs> Receive grace now for the next level of ministry. And then just like this. They don't, they don't sit up there and see if you fell out or anything. I mean, he just went into another realm. And as soon as he was done with the prayer, he does this. See, T.D. Jakes does that. I don't know if, if you notice T.D. Jakes, he'll do something. He'll turn his head real fast like that. If you notice every Denzel Washington movie, there's always a scene in the Denzel Washington movie where he pauses like this for a second. See, never movie. So that's what he did. And it shocked me that he did it so fast and it was so powerful. And he just, he just shifted to get into the car because it's in front of everybody. I mean, it's a sea of people enough to fill a huge sanctuary. And so as so soon as he does that, Jerry says, we got to go. I said, why is that? He said, sir, this does not happen. He said, you're going to have a problem on your hand if I keep you here. So I said, okay, let's go. So right before we left, Bishop Oedipo got right back out the car to talk to somebody. Jerry made the mistake of telling me, hey, he said, uh, go get a picture with him. Because that, that picture, that video, when Oyudipo kept getting interrupted, I walked back to Jerry. I said, Jerry, I need you to take a picture of us. He said, okay, I'll try. So he started videoing us. That is about five seconds of it. I was able to pull a still picture from the video because security said, turn that phone off. Turn that phone. They were threatening them. You can hear it in the video. He said, he kept saying, I'm with the American. They said, I don't care who you with, shut it off. But he was able to get that, and I was able to pull that picture. So we didn't get him laying hands on me. It was a long time. And so he got back out the car. So Jerry gets in the flesh. Now, we didn't already got a whole video. The man that pulled me out of service in front of his whole church, and he didn't lay hands on me. Jerry comes with an idea, now you need to go back and get a picture. <laughs> I told Jerry, no, I don't think that's a good idea. He said, go. I said, no, I'm going by the spirit for real. No, I don't think that's wisdom. He said, man, go. <sighs> what do I do? I go right on over there. And they let me through because they know I just talked to the man. And so Bishop Oyedipo, he saw me. So he, when he was done with the person, he gave me audience. He said yes. And so I had to ask carefully. I said, Bishop, would it be improper to ask for a picture with you right now? And then he looked at me. And then he stared off into the distance. <laughs> I'm serious. He was very serious. He stared off in the distance. He said, not right now, son. Not right now. I said, yes, sir. And I left. And so, so they, let me tell you what's going on. Some of you know this. Ronald Randall and I know this from the Hagen days, is that the men that attached themselves to Hagen, the Kenneth Copeland's, Creflo Dollars, Thompson's, Fred, all of those men, um, Kenneth Hagen was a great man of God, and those men had to submit themselves to him afar. They had to be there sitting under his feet when he did not know who they were because they were after the anointing that was on his life. So it's the same thing here, but it's just moving fast. I shouldn't even say it's moving faster because I've been following the man for seven years. Okay, and so being faithful to that and the Lord just orchestrated those events. So, you know, after that, we got up out of there. We go to the car, which is around way, way around the corner. Now, the young girl from Dubai, she upset. I know I was here to see you, but I just wanted to at least meet him. <laughs> and so I said, well, I said, you just got to be faithful. Boom, boom, boom. It'll happen. We go all the way over to our car. We are the only car on that side. Here comes Bishop Oyedipo's car with his driver. 
and they stop right in front of us, right in front of us to talk to a lady that was standing there. And so the young girl, she went around, got on her knees, and then Bishop just spoke to her for a moment, prayed with her, and then he booked. So it was really, so, and then Jerry talking about, see, Lot was, Lot was with Abraham. That's why you got blessed, sister. I said, hey, man, you didn't get to call a woman Lot. Okay, Lot was there in disobedience. Okay, you know what I'm saying. Whatever. So let me tell you, let me tell you what I do know 100%. Now, it might be further than this, but what I do know 100% is that that man knows that there is something concerning me. And even though he knows that, he is still going to watch and see. He wants to see. See, now what got his attention, and Jerry let me know. He said, what got his attention? He said, you're the first man that came over here on your own ticket. He said, you weren't trying to be up in his face. He ran into you. He said, that said a whole lot. He said, but I'm telling you, he said, now, he couldn't know more. The Lord could have said something. Now, please don't get it in your head. There's not in a million years the Lord has called me to take over that man's ministry. That's not going to happen. I'm standing behind right here in America. But there's something to this connection between him and I. Um, And we'll see where it goes. So, you know, that's pretty much, you know, what happened. All of the side stories is just comical stuff in regards to running up and down them roads and, and almost falling in the river because it flooded when it rained and, and, and dealing with all of their antics and everywhere you go is just arguing, 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 arguing. And, um, you know, I, ladies, don't take this the wrong way. No, I can't say that. I can't say that. Just, I can't say that. Just, you know, just, no, I can't say that. I just can't say that. I just, well, I... Well, it's, it's a different culture. You know, so I was next to a Nigerian lady who's a pastor or minister. And she had, I mean, she had this really, really, I thought it was a weave. It was really, really sharp. You know, kind of came down and it was braided at the end. You know, we really weren't paying attention to each other, you know. And so she was seated right next to me. And so, you know, older lady and, ex, you know, whatever. And so then uh, we were making small talk. And then I looked over at... I mean, I literally almost screamed. I don't even know what I'm telling you. Yeah, ladies, don't take your wigs off in public. Just don't do that. I just, I just, what, I just wasn't ready for that. I just, right next to me. And then the problem is she kept putting it on and taking it off. It's like, oh God, would you stop? So I just saw a lot of that over there. I wasn't ready for all of that. Okay. So, so I, let me say something that I did learn, that I did learn from them. And they said the stories that we share are severely watered down. Shared that on a prayer call. And um, Oyudipo said that, he said, there are things that I will share. He said, there are things about me, he said, that they will not find out until after I'm dead. He was talking about the importance of, shh, don't tell people everything. And uh, he said, because there are things that have happened where the people will think that I am God if I tell them what happened. You know, um, uh, there are little things that I learned. Like, I wondered why uh, they have, uh, if you look online, Bishop Oyudipo and his wife, they, they sit in two white chairs. Um, those chairs are brought in and brought out only for the services. Um, 
Um, there are little things, little adjustments that I'll make in the future. Um, there is a microphone that is only dedicated to them, no one else. This is not because they're specially anointed. It is because of something that happened. Many of you had heard that his wife had gotten, maybe you didn't know that his wife had gotten severely sick. Did y'all know that? Yeah, she had gotten, years ago, she had gotten severely, uh, I mean, I'm talking about sick at, like, like Job sick. And, uh, and so, uh, Job sick to the point where if you just touched her hair, it'd fall out. She was literally on the brink of death uh, for months. And so they uh, flew her to America. They have a house here in America. Um, and so they flew her to America, and uh, she was under the watch of some of the evangelists and ministers here. Kenneth Copeland was one. And Oyedepo uh, kept working the ministry. He would fly in and spend time with his wife. And so uh, she was really at the point of, of death. The doctor said they don't know what's going on. And so, uh, so long story short, it was a uh, woman that uh, they had uh, uh, a woman that was close to her, like an aide or a secretary, and um, somebody that they really raised up from the bottom, um, off the street, etc. And what happened was a, a group of witches wanted uh, Oyedepo's wife dead. So what they did was they convinced this girl to steal one of her prayer cloths or, or something with her clothing, and they brought it to her and they placed some wicked curse on it. And then, they, and, then when the, and then the girl brought it back to faith. And then uh, the next service, she fell out in front of everybody. No wonder the button came loose. It got me up here looking like John Travolta. Um, and so, uh, and so, uh, so they started the prayer thing and everything. And so the girl that did this, she finally couldn't take it anymore, so she went to Bishop and she said, um, I am the curse that is behind your mother's, I mean, your wife's sickness. And Oedipo said, he said, you're not the curse, you're the tool for the curse. Who told you to do this? So she told him, so they knew how to pinpoint the prayers and everything. And so, uh, and so they kept on ministering. And Bishop Oedipo came to the place where he said, he said, God, he said, even if you don't heal her, you are still God. And if you do not heal her, I will not love you any less because I love you more than my wife anyway. He said, I love you more than my wife anyway. And so uh, right after that is when um, um, they said, uh, I can't remember how many days later, in the house in America, which also had two stories in a the balcony, they said a big black vulture flew into the house right into the window, into the brick wall, fell down on the cement and began to die. And as it died, all of its feathers came off. And a couple of days later, she got up out of bed. So they don't know if the Lord made the vulture fly all the way from over there to here. I don't know. And so there are stories like that that you hear. I did not know that where they are right now was considered witch land, the forest that they're in. It was like that haunted forest in Japan, but it was called Witchland. It was, a, it was the main haven for the witches over there. So much so, Jerry said that at 5 o'clock p.m., he said voices in the daylight would start coming out the forest and nobody would cross over there. He said it was the most wicked place in that area. 
And he said, God sent the man right in the middle of the forest. And the man, he said, would go, Bishop would go into the forest with his driver by himself, stand in the middle of the forest and declare and decree. He said, there is a story. Um, and uh, it won't matter if I share this one. He said, there's a story that the public really does not know about. He said, it's stories like this that they kind of hold back on. And he said that he went into the forest one night and um, he said there was a group of witches there that are also gangsters and they pulled a car over and they made him get out and they, uh, they said, lie down on the ground. He said, for what? I'm not sleepy. And so that's how arrogance talks. You know, they got AK-47s tell him to lay down. He said, no, I ain't sleepy. You lay down. And so, uh, so they said, we will kill you. He said, only if you can kill God. And they said, we're telling you to lay down or we're going to kill you. He said, nope. He said, I'm going into this forest to pray for an hour. You ain't going to do anything. And he said, they opened fire on him as he turned his back. He said, they opened AK-47s on him. And as they were shooting, he turned around and said, was that supposed to kill me? He said, now, let me show you my authority. You lay down on the ground for an hour until I get back from praying. See, so it's those stories that you don't see in America only because we won't put God out there like that. We always got reasons and rhymes and excuses. Watch this. We got to be careful that we don't go too far because somebody could die. Let them die then. Worst thing you do, go to heaven. See, and so, just John Travolta thing again. always something okay so so you hear those stories those are the secrets that you learn when you are amongst the people and uh, but then the other things that I learned from them like I said I'm not allowed to share if I share that I'm in trouble okay so you know so it's not it's not a coincidence that that happened at this moment when we set this new vision about the 12 pillars of destiny how there'll be a theme every single month doing the thing with the small groups um um, they opened up 5,000 churches this year. I'm like, how is that even possible? You didn't add 5,000 members. You opened 5,000 churches? Yes. <laughs> Whatever, dude. I'll find out about that later. You know, but the things that we're doing with the small groups and, and, and what we're doing, one of the things that the Lord, I believe the Lord pressed upon my heart is that when we do the small groups, there are quite a few people that follow us in other states. They are members of our church. They give online. Some of them on early morning prayer call and they listen to the messages. When I was gone, I had two people reach out to me about being online members. And so one of the things that I believe the Lord has told me that we are supposed to do is, is that, you know, we talked about the whole house church thing. We will be starting that in other states. So let's say, for example, if Randall lives in Florida, then what we will do is say, well, if you consider yourself a member of a church, we will let you start building a network there in Florida. So this is going to happen probably in Detroit. Florida, Tennessee, I got a huge following in Las Vegas, um, California. And so um, the whole paradigm of the small groups growing, 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 and how you can evangelize the groups. And one of the things the Lord showed me about the house churches in other cities that they would meet on Sundays. And eventually they'll be tuned in to when we do stuff live. So what the Lord is doing is global. And what I believe is, is that he's doing, attaching us He's going to attach men to this man to reach the people that this man can't reach. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens. So that's the plan that we'll begin to work. Um, the 12 pillars, house churches and other states. Um, let's see, it's 807. I'll open it up for a couple of questions if you have.
So that was nothing. It's nothing really, really crazy, you know, but something is going on. He knew it. And even though I've been following him, he seemed to know it more because I would I would ask him certain things. He would pause like he wanted to tell me something and then he wouldn't tell me. And then he asked me a question <laughs> and I would answer it. We're walking hand in hand. And, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm walking with this man. And while he's talking, I'm like, OK, just one question. Come on. What's, I can't think of nothing. I mean, it's like it's like somebody removed my brain out of my body. You know, it's probably Jesus saying, this is not the time for you to ask your stupid circus questions. Shut up. OK, so, you know, so remember this is that what we are doing. Um, I'll say this lightly. Unfortunately, some of you, you know, many of you won't be able to ever go over there, you know, but we're going to get that for you all. So, you know, I did not know I was going to have to go over there twice with the money that we were saving. So you can definitely continue giving for the Nigeria trip for December. But but that's stuff that money won't buy. When that man laid hands on me, there was a posit of him that's in me now. And the next day when I woke up, I could feel it. And when I felt it, I did not like it because I knew that there was a responsibility that had been placed on me to do what he did. And I did not like the way that that feel because it's a weight and it changes you. You'll see the change more and more in personality. You know, you'll see be more serious in the pulpit, more sharp, you know, uh, moving more in a dimension of true authority, you know, still be lighthearted. But there are a lot of things that we have to do differently based on where we are going. So we're getting ready to do this. We're getting ready to do it for real. And so uh, anybody have a question right quick? Okay. Hand it to me. Thank you. I saw it. Okay. This is more of a church meeting. I hope you are ready. It's a simple question. Mm -hmm. He asked you to stay in touch. Mm -hmm. How did he suggest or is it just mm -mm. as and when you come? Let me give you what what's that's code for. If you're serious, make sure I find your make sure make sure that you find your behind here when you're supposed okay. to be. That's what it means. Don't mean call me on the bad phone. Yes, I want to speak to Bishop Oyedipo. Wonderful. We do too. We've been here for 30 years and he spoke to the man. You don't have a chance. So it's because, see, let me tell you something. There are things he knows and things he doesn't. Now, one thing that he did know is that this boy is legit. He knew by the grace and the peace of God and the way that he felt, he knew is something mysterious about this one that is different than the rest. He also knows that if that is true, then I will find myself over there and he will see me again. If not, I was playing. Because you don't get that, that y'all, you don't get that dimension a, a dimension unless you're ready to spend some time, some effort, some money, some energy. The, the flight, I don't know what happened on the flight back. I'm just now back up to health pretty much because I don't know what happened on the flight back. On the flight back, I had to fly nine hours from Lagos to Amsterdam, then wait three hours, and then fly ten and a half hours from Amsterdam to Atlanta. That wore me out. With all them Nigerians acting crazy on the plane. It's just the culture and it's people. Okay. And so, and so that was the end of the trip. So it was very difficult. It's very, and it's very, when I came back, Devon and my wife picked me up from the airport because they left the Riverdale location. And I was fine until I got home. And when I got home, I woke up like five hours later and thought I had been asleep for 20 minutes. Because when you go, let me tell you something. Let me, let me, let me tell you something. Now, I couldn't be wrong. I don't believe I have the ability 
to come up to, I don't know how to explain it. Let me explain it. This is the work day of a pastor there. Early morning prayer from 5.30 to 6.30. Then you go back home for a moment because you live on the property. <laughs> then you come back at 8.30 for devotion for a half an hour. Then you work. At 12, you go to lunch, but most of them don't eat, so they just pray from 12 to 1. Then they work from 1 to 5. Then they go back home for a few minutes, and they come back to the church for prayers at, from 6.30 to 7.30. Then they go back home, and the pastors have to come back to the church from 10 p.m. to 12 a.m. for prayer. Then they go home, go to sleep, and start that over day. That's six days a week. The only off day is Monday, but they still got to come to prayers. So that, that's how they roll it. So when I, was on, when I was over there, I only got four hours of sleep every single day. And, 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 and that's, that's, that's their culture. They don't sleep. And it's insane. So you're not used to that. But the, but the presence and the grace begins to conform your body to it. You be, your body begins to change to what you are stuck and planted in. And right about the time you get ready to get used to it, then you shock the body and come back to the dimension you came from. And so, and so I had my, y'all, I did not know what time it was. I didn't know what day it was. I kept getting my days mixed up. And, and I was just really, really messed up. Typically, you go overseas, it takes about two or three days. But for that trip, it takes about a week to get over. It is, and it's not just the culture. Traffic alone is the most insane thing that you have ever seen in your life. It's the entire thing. You go from one level of insane to another level of insane. It's the traffic. It's the people. It's them arguing. It's almost getting an accident every single second. Then you go into another dimension, and then you can't keep up with them because these, these guys don't even sleep. They just pray, do the word, evangelize. That's all they do. They don't have a life, what we consider a life. They have given themselves totally to the gospel. They don't go anywhere. They don't watch movies. They don't watch TV. They don't go to concerts. They don't go to the movies. They just go to church and hardly spend any time with their wives and family. It's just unreal. And because there's some things that I saw that's like, no, 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 I think that's just going a little too far. I'm not about to do all of that. And that's okay. You know what I'm saying? But, but of course, at any ministry, there are things that uh, we do a little bit better than them. But the core of what they do, they're killing us, killing us. And, and this is the reason why it took so long for me to get to this place, because you don't understand how long it takes to take an American group of people like this and conform them to a culture that is that high level. It'll kill you. And matter of fact, matter of fact, they have an open, they have a revolving door with ministers. Because the first question that they ask you before you become a pastor there is, well, do you have a problem sleeping on four or five hours a day? And they said a lot of pastors can't handle it because they can't handle it. That's why you hear Oyudipo say, I don't need to go to the gym. I am one. I mean, it's, it's, it's really insane. But, but see, if you pay attention to Jesus' life, watch this. Preach all day, then multiply fish and loaves, then prayed all night for nine hours, then walked on the water and caught up with a rowing boat that had rolled five, four miles out to sea. It was eight miles across. Before he got in the boat, let Peter walk on the water, started to sink, brought him back up. They walked on the water, got back in the boat. The Bible says the boat was transferred to land four miles in one second, got off the boat, and started casting demons out of a man. When was he sleeping? It's a different dimension that they operate in. Now, we're going to get there, but it's a different dimension. It's a dimension outside of time. It's outside of logic. It's straight scripture and kingdom of God. It's we are one with Christ. As Jesus is right now, so are we in this earth. And they tapping into that. While we over here, well, you know, church can't go anywhere unless we have a cafe in the lobby. 
give people bread and donuts before service. You must be crazy. You see Jesus doing services. Did you stop by our cafe? No, I didn't stop by your cafe. I'm sick. Does the bread heal me? Never mind. Let me just stop. Next question so I don't keep y'all up in here. Pastor Turnbull, last time you went to Nigeria, you mentioned that um, you felt safer there or secure. I guess you were in Canaan land and um, when you came back to the United States, there was like this fear that overcame you or a dread. Um, how was that experience this time? Um, well, I was used to it more. You feel completely safe on the land. Now, with me, I'm all, with me, after the first time, I just relax. So it doesn't matter how dangerous the situation is. Um, um, I, I tend to relax. Now, the other thing is, is that I, this time, I knew that I was supposed to be over there. I knew that beyond a shadow of a doubt. So because of that, you don't have any fear. I'd already prayed for the Holy Spirit to cut a road, cut me another dimension within a dimension so that my dimension will be smooth. So in the midst of all of the traffic and all of the craziness, I'm just at peace, everything else. You know, one time the police, they had some checkpoints and the police stopped the vehicle and I'm just crazy. I don't need to tell you that story. So, so but yeah, the, the land is, um, it is, the closer you get to heaven, the more secure you feel. And so the land is closer to heaven than anything in America. So I went to that dimension, and because of the level of peace and safety that I felt, it wasn't that I was in danger when I came back to America, but I came to a lower level that I recognized was not as secure as the one I just came from. And so, and so they have a rule because you uh, people that don't live on the land, I mean, when I tell you, the only way to explain it, you all, is right now we are in Austale. You drive in any direction and let's say Marietta. Imagine you drive to Marietta and Mary, the entire landmass of Marietta is the church. And everything in Marietta is what the church is building. So th that's the way to explain it. So they have a rule that if you don't live here, you have to go because the people will live on that land and they will not leave. Those people will sleep on that land. And with the Shiloh Conference, I mean, y'all, hundreds and hundreds of people in scripture, it says that the people in the scripture, it says they came and met at Shiloh and the land was subdued before them. You see that there. I mean, I'm talking about these people with their babies are spending the night on the ground just to be there. No, I do not have my ringer on in the pulpit from a teller. I should I should answer the phone with this telemarketer and keep on preaching. Anyway, sorry about that. So, so, and there's nothing I can tell you. There's absolutely nothing that I can tell you to give you a picture of it because you can't see it. I could video, I could video for 15 minutes and you still don't see it. And that's just one spot. You drive and they say, see as far as your eye can see? Yes, that's ours. Then 15 minutes later, we get to the end of that. See as far as your eye can see? Yeah, that's ours. How much land do y'all have? We don't know. Our land is so big that a contractor came on the land and built the whole subdivision illegally. And we didn't find out for three years. <laughs> Paid the government for the land. And now I showed you all the, the, the drawings for their 100,000 seat sanctuary. Well, his sons, they built their 100,000 seat sanctuaries. And one of the sons is at five services a Sunday already. So Utipo said, well, my 100,000 seater is too small. So he said, scrap the plans. He said, 
we're going to build either a 150 or 200,000 seater. They are defying logic. I told you about his son that they built the building, hired, brought some UK and United States engineers. Can you show us how to build this roof? They said, yeah, no, because this is impossible. What? Did you say? That it's not possible to put a roof on this building that's 100,000 seater. They said, really? This is no lie. They said, I tell you what. What we're going to do is, is that we're going to build the sides of the building first. And when we get to the roof, we'll see. Then the Lord gave one of them a dream and showed them how to knit steel together the same way that you weave a basket. And the United States engineer said, sir, had we not seen this, we would always say it's impossible. You just talk. So over there, you have this constant influx of Chinese, UK, and American and Canadian engineers who are learning engineering from the church. It's unreal. I saw some of them there when I was there. Who are them engineers from America coming over here trying to figure out our secrets? See, and so, and so, and so, you know, of course, you got the whole thing of people judging them. for Y'all, yeah, let me tell you something. Even, nah, I'm, I'm going to leave that alone. Y'all, you are a fool if you're going to judge them because they got a mega church. You have no idea what these men are doing with their money. You have no idea. These men are beyond wealthy and the members don't care because the members are sharing. I can't even tell you what the stuff is doing. It's, it's so unbelievable. But I said, okay, I can do this. And I got, I've given myself a 20 year window to do it. You know, they just, they just celebrated their 20, 20th anniversary on that land. Anybody had another question? I'll do one more. I don't want to be hogging up all the time. Go ahead. Okay. So you said that um, one man paid a, pri a price and it took 30 years. Mm -hmm. um, so do we have the experience of the disciples to where our time period will be shorter? Or is our, our following you like you following Bishop, will we have to put that same amount of time in? Like, do we have that kind of time? Well, I mean, that's a, that's a difficult question to answer. Um, and because it's not me really reinventing the wheel, it's me connecting myself to the wheel and becoming another wheel. And so, so technically, the ones who come behind should move faster. Sometimes they don't because the ones that come behind are supposed to be bigger. So, so the thing is, is that one man, he, it's, it's like a man, he plows a path. And the it's, it's, best way to explain it is a man goes 10 miles down the road. Then the Lord says, okay, now I'm going to let some other people start following you. You keep on going but they should be able to move faster because you already know what to tell them to look out for on that road. And so, so all of that is mysterious because you don't know the Lord's ultimate plan and he doesn't really reveal it to us. Otherwise, we start trying to help God out. How many know God does not need our help at all about anything? And so it's just a whole mysterious thing. It's really, really simple, and that is, and that is uh, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. You know, we ultimately... This ministry is following that one, but the people that are here are following this ministry because there are still the, the core of what I'm following. I'm following the core. But like I told Jerry, there are just some things that I have to adjust because it is America. Like, like for them, you know, when they do their 21 days of fasting and prayer, the people go and live on the land for 21 days with no food. How many of that ain't going to happen here? Y'all get on an early morning prayer call and fight the urge to eat some cookies, you know what I'm saying? But you can't do that here, so that's why we called our prayer call the Digital Mountain. Yongi Cho goes to a mountain. There they go to the fields. Here we go to the prayer call. So it can be done, 
but you have to adjust certain things. Don't ever say that you can't do what someone else does. You can do it, but you might have to do it differently and get the same results. So it's those things. So, so granted, I don't have all of the answers. I just know that I'm on the right path. I just know that. And, 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 and even though I'm on the right path, next, next year I could get off the path. So this is not something for me to be arrogant about. Oh, Lord, look at me. No, you got to humble yourself even further now because the greater the glory, the more you can drop. The higher you go up, the easier it is to fall. And so you have to be very, very careful. That's why most men don't make it because they start getting the big head because of who they connect. And, you know, and let me tell you something. There is a spirit out here, even in the church, where you know how the kids are in school. My daddy can beat your daddy. My daddy can beat you. I've been in other circles with pastors, and one pastor would say to the other pastors, guess who his spiritual father is? I didn't ask you to tell them that. But see, that's the mentality is who got the best spiritual father? It's it's, it's terrible, y'all. It's very, very terrible. And so I have to be totally honest with you. I'm really, you know, uh, I I will try my best to fellowship with other ministries, but I can pretty much tell you it's a reason why Bishop Oyedipo, God told Bishop Oyedipo, I'm sending you down a path differently than other men. Why? Because other men can't go down this path. They don't have the mentality for it. They just don't. They just don't. Because this stuff breaks you. It just breaks you. It breaks you. It breaks you. So, you know, and I'm not saying it's a good breaking. But, but how many know that, let me say, it, you have pastors out here that are just flat out terrible. They're not even pastors. They're just wolves in sheep's clothing. You have other guys that they've gotten off track. You have a lot of pastors that they're really, really kind-hearted, good, nice guys. Like I say, just because you're nice doesn't mean you know how to fry chicken. So you got guys that they are pastoring, but they have no idea what they're doing. I just got out of a pastor's meeting on Monday, and they're trying to discuss what is going on with the schools and why the kids acting crazy and why we got a Christian school and why they won't even lift their hands during worship. They're just living like heathens. And I'm sitting there amongst all these pastors and can't give the answer. You know why? Because y'all don't believe in speaking in tongues. You don't believe in going out your denominational lines. You don't believe demons exist. You don't believe God gives dreams and visions. You don't believe in the gifts of the spirit. All y'all preach is just repentance, and that's good, but that's not all Jesus preached. The full gospel is power. Okay, so there is no true gospel unless the power is associated with it. Even what we call the born again experience, that can't happen without power. That's the greatest miracle that ever happens. God kills you, destroys you, and recreates you. What is greater than that? That can't even happen without power. See, so they're rejecting everything. And so what has to happen is the Lord has to pick a man. And I know this is what the Lord doing because he did it with our daddy across the seas. I know what we're doing. He picks a man and say, okay. Nobody's listening. So what we're going to do, we're going to find a guy that we can use to make everybody look stupid. He's going to have to be humble. We're going to have to send him through the ringer. And he's going to have to have a whole lot of time where they reinstitute, restore, get people healed, cleaned up, and everything. But when he is ready, he'll be able to find everything. And the only way that we'll be able to get some men back on track is when they see this young boy from Detroit start taking over everything. As they, as, as a, I really don't like the guy, but it's a UFC fighter named Conor McGregor. He said, I didn't come to take part. He said, I come to take over. And that's literally at the moment that we're in. We're not come to take part. We came to take over. Because it's obvious y'all don't know what y'all doing. And you could. It's okay to be wrong. Find out what's right. The only difference between me and others is that I didn't care nothing about what I was taught in my denomination. I wanted to find out how come this Bible says this and we don't see it. That's what I wanted to find out. Last question. Y'all just waving the fans and everything. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Francie. You 
mentioned that um, when you asked to take a picture with him, he said, not now. Mm -hmm. But this picture, like, once you get in trouble for posting that mm -mm. with him? Not really, because if you look at my post, I neither mention his name nor Winner's Chapel, and it's from behind, so it can be easily denied. That's the reason why I used it. Now, I was out of order. I remember at the last conference, I was sitting right next to him, and I, I literally, I knew I was out of order. I didn't even care. You know, you're next to a man like that, well, I'm going to get me a picture today. And so, I, I, so what I did was and I, I put my iPad up, and I hit the button. Oh, man. So I moved it up, did it like that, hit the button, bam. And so, uh, so and, and, and the main reason they don't want people taking pictures is for nefarious reasons. People will do wicked stuff, you know, um, you know, a, a guy will put his head on top of Bishop Oudipo's body and, you know, I mean, a church I was at in Detroit, I mean, it was this crazy lady that had joined the church and she, the service ended and the lady had taken a flyer of the pastor and his wife. She had cut out the wife's head, put her face there and was handing out the flyers as the people were leaving the church. People do crazy stuff like that. My wife, you know, my wife has her real estate license yet right now. And already she didn't got two crazy calls, crazy texts, because she has to make her phone number public. So one guy texts her at 3 o'clock in the morning, um, wake your fine A up, and texts me back. So my wife told me not to do it. And so <laughs> I, was, I was honestly going to tell my wife, hey, I'm going to pull out my guns. Take a picture of me holding my guns and then take a picture of me and text back and say, I'm awake. So whatever. You got crazy people out here. So yeah, that's the reason why. And so you try to respect that, you know, and, and they know that their pictures are going to be taken, but they don't want to get into the wrong hands, you know. So it's a, it's a trust thing. It's when you are that high level. Oh, so you remember the story that I told you about the girl that was close to them and did that thing? So that's the reason why now they guard their personal property around people. So those chairs don't just sit out there. After service, those chairs are taken to a secure place. Their microphones, their handkerchiefs, they're all put in a safe place, an environment, so nobody else can get access to them because it is that serious. Satan is going to try. He's going to try, and he's going to try, and he is going to try. But it's an amazing thing to see, folks. So, you know, this is just the beginning of what's going to happen. You know, I will, uh, from year to year, I'll be taking different ones over there. I need my team to see it first. So over the next couple of years, I'll be taking, uh, be, uh, taking them and, you know, we'll plan for it accordingly and save up for it so it won't be some type of, you know, thing we, uh, unless the Lord does something. So, uh, but it's an amazing thing. So y'all good? So, uh, so, you know, get ready. We're going to be starting to form things. Uh, parts of the service will remain the same. Parts of them will change. Some of the aspects of our departments will be making adjustments on those, as well as even the prayer call, we'll be making adjustments. So all for the purpose of pushing, pushing, we're going to push social media, videos, all of that. Small groups I'm really excited about because I'm totally delivered from the mess. And small groups will be used as house churches to expand, to expand. There's no limit being placed on it, no limit. And so um, one of the most beautiful, this last thing and then I'll close. One of the most beautiful things that I saw was on Saturdays, hundreds of people show up, the volunteers, and they prepare the grounds for the services. And so uh, I know every morning there was this little old lady with those little whisk brooms singing African songs in front of the 
one of the many prayer chapels, the one we were at, seats 3,000. And she's out there sweeping, keep everything clean, sweeping. So on Saturday, all of these volunteers come, and they, they wash the side. Well, you're, talking about, you're talking about a big property. They're all over the place. I mean, they readjust 50,000 chairs on the inside of the sanctuary, 52,000 chairs on the outside of the sanctuary underneath the tents. They wash the cloths. They're weaving the flowers. They're washing the cement. They're getting all of the dust and the leaves and trimming the bushes. It was an amazing sight to see because everybody is just so joyous, and you see people out there doing it with no legs. You know, and uh, I mean, bent limbs and crippled and, and old and, and stooped over. And but the people are so proud of their church. They know that this is a slice of heaven and then people will die for that church. They will because it's legit. It's legit. And so, so it was a very, very beautiful thing. You see so much you can't comprehend it. So we'll keep you posted. I'll have some, you know, I have some videos I might show this weekend. We'll see. But. But uh, let's go ahead and stand. Y'all been fanning long enough, and I didn't held y'all long enough. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. So, hallelujah. And so, uh, we'll get ready to dismiss, let you get up out of here. I, uh, of course, yeah.